Good morning, church, and a happy Easter season to you. My name is Amy Sigmund, and I'm a member here at Bellmead UMC. If you are new to, your, to our church, I want to welcome you and encourage you to sign up for our email list so that we can know you are worshiping with us. Today we are kicking off a new sermon series titled, Love Like This. Over five weeks, we are asking the question, what does the love of Jesus look like? This morning, we are picking up right where the Easter story left off last week. We heard the story that Mary Magdalene found the stone rolled away from the mouth of the tomb. She told Simon Peter, who also came to inspect the tomb. She spoke with Jesus, who told her to tell the disciples what she had seen and let them know that he was going to his father. She told them, I've seen the Lord. We celebrated Easter, the risen Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ conquered death. Mary has seen and believed, and we have celebrated with her. But the disciples? The disciples aren't celebrating yet. It would seem they have not taken Mary's report of speaking with Jesus to heart. Our text finds the disciples are still holding that dark vigil. It is still Easter day in the evening. The disciples are hiding out in Jerusalem, probably in the upper room. It is important to note that this group gathered in Jerusalem is not just the 12. It is understood to be a larger group of Jesus' followers, his community. Men and women would have been there trying to process the events of the weekend. The text tells us that the door is closed and locked. The disciples are worried about the temple authorities and what may befall them. Then Jesus appears in the room, standing right with them and says, peace be with you. Can you imagine what the disciples must have felt? Were they imagining things? Was this, was this a vision of Jesus, a kind of ghost? But then Jesus shows them his hand and his sides, proving that he is the same man who was crucified and he is now risen from the dead, the son of God. Jesus speaks again, saying, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. He breathes the Holy Spirit upon them and instructs them to forgive the sins of others. A week later, he comes to them again, this time specifically to see Thomas, who wasn't with them before. Thomas has had a week of emotional turmoil, having seen Jesus die on the cross and then be told that Jesus appeared to them three days later but he wasn't there to see Jesus. He doesn't know what to believe. So Jesus comes to the disciples again and tells Thomas to see his hands and his side. Thomas immediately makes a profession of faith, saying, my Lord and my God. There's a note in one of my commentary Bibles about our friend doubting Thomas. The author notes that Thomas is absent when Jesus first appears to the disciples. We don't know why Thomas was absent on that day. But because of his absence, he has suffered a week of emotional and spiritual struggle. He saw Jesus crucified. His friends tell him that Jesus appeared to them, but he cannot believe. Thomas is in a dark place. I'm sure he felt alone and confused. He needs to see Jesus, to physically touch him. He tells the other disciples, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas is not at peace and he is not witnessing to the resurrection. He doesn't even believe it's happened. 
In my Bible, the commentary note for this section of text about Thomas says, the best and surest place to maintain faith is in the company of fellow believers. See, if Thomas had been with the other disciples, he wouldn't have had that dark and confusing week. Consistently spending time in the company of fellow believers grows our faith. Those of you who have been in the same Sunday school class for years know this to be true. John Wesley knew it to be true when he required the First Methodists to join the class meeting, groups for accountability and building your relationship with God. It's a precursor to our modern small group ministry. Spending time with your fellow believers can strengthen your relationship with God and empower you to share your faith with others. But we have been in a year of isolation now, a year of tightly controlling our circles, our interactions, our physical touch, a year without hugs and holding hands during prayer, a year without breaking bread together, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting closer and closer, dear friends, but this past year has worn on us. How many of us have felt an erosion of faith during this year without the company of fellow believers? How many of us have felt doubt creep in, anxiety suffocating us, or just felt far from Jesus? Some of you know that in this past year I've been involved with the home group ministry here at Bell Mead. Coordinating the home groups has been a personal, journey, personal joy for me because I am passionate about how God's sanctifying grace shows up in small group ministry. My family has been in our church home group for almost four years now. With few exceptions, we've met every other Sunday for a meal and spiritual discussion and encouragement. We've celebrated the birth of babies together. We've mourned the loss of pregnancies and the deaths of family members and friends. We've had members move away and new ones join. We've cried and laughed and eaten so much good food together. It is safe to say that our relationship with each other and with Christ are deeper and richer for our hours spent together. Like everyone else, this past year has been challenging for us. At the same time, we lost our ability to worship together and send our children to Sunday school. We lost that space to maintain faith in the company of believers. Fellowship is one of the best ways we receive and give the love of Christ. We feel emboldened when we are with others. In this past year, our home group has met mostly on Zoom. Early on, we learned how to play Yahtzee with a shared document for scoring. Then we began answering the questions in the sermon study guide. We held socially distanced outdoor meetings in the warm weather. We have tried hard to maintain our relationship as a community of believers who hold each other up, for months, these meetings held me up, whether we were outdoors or online. But lately, as the pandemic has hit the one-year mark, it has worn thin. I sometimes find myself bored on our Zoom call, my fingers itch to grab my phone and mindlessly scroll in a way I wouldn't feel if we were all together. I have come up empty when trying to answer questions about my relationship with God. I have felt bitter about having to log on again another week. I confess that I secretly hope maybe one of our group members will need to skip and my husband and I will have an extra hour to recover at the, after bedtime. 
Losing the space to be with my fellow believers has affected my spiritual life and made me long for a tangible, tactile faith like Thomas had in his encounter with the risen Christ. Jesus came just to see him and to show him his scars so that Thomas's faith could be restored and renewed. I need more connection so I can feel that joy again. For me, home group is a place that seems to have gone dry recently, but for you, it will be something else. And think for yourself a moment, where in your life have you felt like you're missing the joy or the assurance of the presence of God? When I read about these appearances of Christ and the ones that will follow until the time of Jesus' ascension, I can't help but wonder, did Jesus know how much time he would need to spend with the disciples after the resurrection? After all, we've celebrated his resurrection and his revelation in the garden with Mary. Did he know that the disciples would need this kind of encouragement over and over again until the time of Pentecost? If we look forward from this text, in John 21, we see where Jesus appears to the disciples in the Galilee. Simon Peter and a few of the other disciples have decided to return to fishing as their primary occupation. It would seem that the miracle of the resurrection is not yet enough to convince them to move forward with Jesus' ministry. But Jesus will come to them again, and this time he fills their nets to overflowing with fish. Over breakfast on the shore, Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, and Peter responds three times, Yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus commissions Peter, telling him, Feed my sheep. In Acts, Jesus will come to the disciples again, telling him to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, and then ascends to heaven to be with his Father. Reading the story of this liminal time from the resurrection to the ascension, I am amazed by Jesus' love that brings him back to the disciples again and again. Jesus will not let his followers go back to their regular lives. Instead, the disciples are empowered by a Christ who loves them so much that he died on a cross, conquered sin and death, and then continues to shepherd them towards becoming leaders themselves so that they might share the good news to the ends of the earth. After these appearances of Jesus, the disciples are not the same people they were when Jesus found them on Easter evening. They have been given the Spirit. They have been empowered. They are now ready to be the early church leaders who will create a foundation for Christians for years to come. What does the empowering love of God look like today? Love makes us brave. It's what makes us decide to step into marriage, a commitment where we swear faithfulness and fidelity for a lifetime. It can make one decide to bring a child into the world. Out of love, we bring babies forward for baptism because of the bold love of God in our hearts. And we promise to raise these children to be a disciple of Christ. Jesus' love empowers us to love others, to bring peace and forgive those who sin against us. So what does it mean for this week, this week after Easter? Many of us declared our faith publicly last week, posting the words, He is risen, hallelujah, on our social media channels. We post pictures of our family celebrating Easter together. That is a public declaration of our faith in the risen Christ. We've declared ourselves to be Christians. So what about now? 
This unassuming week after Easter, when our church staff is still recovering, when we've returned to our current routines, this week I read the words, when the church celebrates Easter, it also celebrates the beginning of its mission. Jesus knows that our tendency is to be tentative. He knows that we've returned to our routines. But when we say, he is risen, he is risen indeed, we are committing to the mission. The risen Christ has breathed the Holy Spirit upon us, has forgiven our sin, and empowered us to go out into the world to make disciples. I have to testify to you this morning that I have seen the Holy Spirit at work in our church over this past year. Despite my personal weary season with my home group, as the home group coordinator for Belmede, I have seen the new online home groups blossom and bear fruit during this pandemic. Even though we knew you had Zoom fatigue and pandemic burnout, we boldly asked you to consider joining a short-term small group during Advent and again during Lent. And many of you did. These groups have created relationships that strengthened the faith of their members. I have seen new members join our church this year, even in the winter when we couldn't hold worship. We held an online Bellmead 101 class and welcomed new church members this spring. This is proof that even during this time of isolation, the Holy Spirit can breathe new life and create new witness, and I hope it empowers you to continue sharing your faith. Jesus is asking us to continue the mission that began with his resurrection on Easter. Jesus chose to, recycle, to reconcile us with God, to cover us with grace, and we are asked to continue on, to witness, to make disciples. Pastor Sam named this sermon series using a line from a Lauren Daigle song, Love Like This. My favorite line in that song is, I cannot earn what you so freely give. The depth and breadth of Jesus's grace is unending. It is not a one-time occurrence. It wasn't a one-time occurrence for the, God, for the disciples, and it isn't for us. Jesus knew that the disciples needed encouragement. They needed it multiple times. That's why Christians must live a life of discipleship, attending worship, taking communion, studying the scriptures, fellowship together. We hold one another up on the road together, encouraging each other, just as Jesus encouraged the disciples. I want to leave you with a sending that one of the leaders at Discipleship Ministries used to close our chapel with. And I'm going to tag on a phrase from Reverend Jedediah Haynes from his staff blog for Bell Mead this week. Remember that when you leave this place, you go out into the mission field. Go out and live boldly into the power of the resurrection spirit of God. Amen.